Uh, guys, I am in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, and we're going to start in verse 13. Um, we're going to start in verse 13. I'm going to read uh, all the way through verse 23. And the Word of God says this. It says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, Who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responded, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Then he gave the disciples the orders to tell no one that he was the Messiah. The story continues. From then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed and be raised the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Oh no, Lord, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned and told Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me because you're not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. And so, uh, this morning, we're going to look at our third question in our series, Questioning Jesus. And it's found here in verse 15. It is Jesus speaking to the disciples, asking this, Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And there's three things I want to point out in the passage that we just read this morning as we kind of talk about this question. And the first thing I want you to understand, guys, is that many people have wrong ideas about who Jesus is. Right? Many people have wrong ideas about who Jesus is. And, and, and we see in verse 13 through 14, uh, Jesus enters into the region of Caesarea, uh, Caesarea Philippi, it says, and then he asks the disciples, who do the, who do the people say that I am. Who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And so what Jesus is doing is taking the temperature of the room, if you will, right? So, so at this point, Jesus has already fed the 5,000. Uh, he's done amazing miracles. He's healed people, blind people, lame people, sick people, you name it. And when Jesus walks around, uh, wherever he goes, crowds gather. Crowds gather. And so Jesus enters the region. No doubt crowds have gathered. And, and so he turns to his, his disciples and he wants to have a deep conversation with them. But he begins kind of with an entry level uh, topic. He says, you know what? Hey, these people that keep following us, what are you hearing from them? Who do they believe me to be? And, 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 and so they begin to speak up. Well, some of them think that you're the reincarnation of John the Baptist. Remember, John the Baptist has already been killed by Herod at this point. His daughter uh, dancing, whatever. You can have whatever you want. I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. So, so John is dead. And so some people are going, well, maybe, maybe John is back. Uh, he says, others believe, though, that you're the prophet that's mentioned uh, in the Old Testament and in, in, in Malachi when it says somebody's coming in the spirit of life. So a lot of people think that you're Elijah. 
Uh, and, and then somebody else speaks up, well, said, no, that, that's not all of it. Some people think that, that you're Jeremiah, and, and which, uh, which seems weird, right? But, but Jewish belief was that when Babylon invaded Israel, when the kingdoms were divided and they conquered Israel, that Jeremiah escaped with the Ark of the Covenant. And folklore was that he was going to return uh, when the Messianic Age came, and he was going to bring back the Ark. And, uh, and that's kind of how it was. So they're like, some people say that. And then they speak up and say, others just say you're, you're a prophet. Right? Others just say that you're a prophet. In other words, listen, almost everyone that came to Jesus believed that he was special in some way. But all of their ideas about his identity fell short. All of their ideas about his identity fell short. They all missed the mark. And the same is true today. There's still many opinions about who Jesus is. I'll put a few of them on the screen. A lot of people today will say that Jesus is a good teacher. Uh, even Gandhi said that, by the way, that Jesus is a good teacher. Uh, a lot of people will say that Jesus, well, he's, he's just a good person. Uh, a lot of people today believe uh, that, that in, and sometimes this is even preached in some pulpits, Jesus is the most loving and compassionate person there ever was, and, and you need to just love that's it. The answer is just love. Jesus is just love, right? Uh, some say that he, he was a great prophet. Um, many, many places you go, well, uh, I remember I visited a church in New York once and it had a, a chapel with beautiful stained glass and they had all of the saints were there and amongst one of the saints was Saint Jesus. Broke my heart. Broke my heart. But some people think that he's, he's a great prophet. Some would say he was just a man. He was just another person that lived and walked on the earth. Some would say that he was a failed political uh, figure, that he tried to overthrow uh, the Roman government, and he failed miserably. Uh, others would just call him a phony or a fraud. And listen, while the, the bottom three on that list are, are hard, I, I want to tell you, I think it's the top three on that list that are the most dangerous. Those top three very much mirror what the people of Jesus' day thought about him. And I think they're more dangerous and more damning because uh, to simply put Jesus up there with the rest of the pack as a good teacher, as, as a good man, as, as a prophet, is dangerous because that kind of thinking makes it sound like you can believe in Jesus and... You can believe in Jesus. Jesus is a, a good teacher. You can believe in Him and what Gandhi says. You, you can believe in Him and what all the, the leading atheists would say of your day. You can believe in Him and anyone else that, that, that you watch a TED talk about, right? That kind of thought leads to that. You can believe in, in Jesus and any other prophet like Muhammad. And, and everything's just the same. You can believe in Jesus and the problem is Scripture doesn't give us that choice. When we, when we read the claims of Jesus, you can't read the claims of Jesus and say that he was just a good teacher, he was just a good person, he was just a good prophet, because he makes claims that he's much more. Right? I love how C.S. Lewis puts it, the great Christian scholar, writer, uh, in his book, Mere Christianity, he says this, he says, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. Here's the foolish thing. 
I'm, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. He says that is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says that he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else he's a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has, left that, uh, he has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. And that's why our from this teaching of Lewis that we come up with, listen, Jesus has to be one of three things. Cannot be two of the three. He has to be one of three things. Either he is a lunatic, and he was crazy, and he got a bunch of people to follow him, and he wasn't who he said he was. He's a liar, right? And he was a charlatan, and he faked all those miracles, did it on purpose, or he's Lord. He can't be any combination, Okay? There is no middle ground. So we start here, many people have wrong ideas about Jesus. The second thing we learn is we study the whole text here, and that's what we're doing, it's the whole text of the conversation, is this, how we personally answer Jesus' question, who do you say I am, is actually of utmost importance. How we personally answer Jesus' question, who do you say I am, is of utmost importance. So after taking the temperature of the room and asking the disciples, right, all these crowds are here. Who, who are, who, what are you hearing, guys? I, who, who are they saying they, they think I am? And, and so he kind of takes the temperature of the room and then all of a sudden Jesus makes it personal. And the reason we're studying this question is because I believe wholeheartedly that Jesus asked the same question of us that he individually as he asked of the disciples individually. See, this isn't just a collective question to the twelve. This is a personal question to each of the twelve. Okay, but who do you, 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 who do you say I am? I'm asking you personally now. Who do you say I am? Right? Of course, Peter responds with a great confession of faith that, by the way, changes everything. I'll explain it in a second. Here it is in verse 16 through 18. Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah. It means the, the anointed one, right? Uh, you are the Son of the living God. Jesus responded, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say, to you, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower. Some people have misinterpreted that to believe that on Peter, uh, the entire church was going to be built. It's actually upon the confession of, of Peter, uh, although Peter is the first mouthpiece for the church, is he not? When we study the book of Acts, he preached the first sermon uh, as a church, and that sermon was this. It was confession of Jesus as Christ. And 3,000 are saved that day, right? 
So we, we think about the church and its explosive power, and it comes out of this confession of Peter. And here's the deal. After this confession, New Testament scholars would tell you, everything changes in Jesus' ministry. Up to this point, Jesus' ministry is about gathering the crowds. Up to this point, it's about healing. Up to this point, it's about miracles. Up to this point, all, all he's doing is teaching about the coming of the kingdom. But after this confession, Jesus shifts and he begins to tell his disciples that all of that's going to happen because, yes, I am the Messiah, Peter. Yes, you're right. But let me tell you what that means. You being right, me being the Messiah, means that I must die. That's what it means. I'm going to die. And from that moment on, Jesus sets his face to the cross. And that's what he lives for. In other words, everything hinged upon this response and this faith. What I'm going to tell you this morning, listen, is the same is true about you and me. Everything hinges on our response to this question. Right? Everything in your life, your future, your family, your fruitfulness, everything eternal about you hinges upon how you answer this question. And there is no neutrality here. You will either believe that Jesus is who he says he is, or you will reject that he is who he says he is. Either you will accept him as Christ the Son of the living God, the Messiah, the Savior of mankind, or you will reject Him in that role. And both of those choices carry huge consequence. Here's what Jesus says about it. John 5, 24. He says, Truly I tell you, anyone who hears my words and believes, Him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. So anyone who believes I am who I'm claiming to be, that I'm the Messiah, that I am I'm what, what you've said here, Peter, anyone who believes in me is going to have eternal life and they're not going to face that judgment of God, the wrath of God being poured out. But, but listen what he says about anyone who rejects it in John 12, 48. He says, though, the one who rejects me and doesn't receive my sayings has this as his judge. The word I have spoken will judge him on the last day. So what is the word that Jesus has spoken? Well, pretty interesting, actually. Uh, the question that Jesus poses, both about the crowd and, and individually to us, is, is who do they say I am? He looks at the disciples, who do you say I am? And that goes all the way back to how God reveals himself. You may remember that God has an encounter with Moses at a burning bush. And God says, hey, you're going to go and you're going to be my messenger. You're going to go deliver my people. And, and Moses is like, God, I, I don't speak well. God, they're not going to believe me. God, who would I even tell them you are? Like, they're going to think I'm a nut that saw a flaming bush. And I, I'm talking to somebody that's not even here. And God says, you go tell them I am who I say I am. And in the book of John, Jesus on seven occasions uses the same language that God used there with Moses. He uses this I am statement. In John 14, 6, he says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. You see, you can't believe that Jesus is a good teacher if you don't accept John 14, 6, that he is the only way to the Father. You can't. And so Jesus says, if you reject me, my words will judge you. And that teaching that he is the only way to the Father, if you reject that, you'll be judged 
according to your own works, you won't make the cut and you'll be separated from God forever in a horrible place called hell. Now that's not hot hellfire and brimstone preaching. I'm not standing up here uh, trying to condemn anyone. We're teaching is the truth. The most loving thing we can do is say, hey, everyone will be judged at some point. Everyone must give account. And there is a way to get out of that. That's by trusting in the only Savior that God has provided. His name is Jesus. He is the Messiah. He is the Messiah. Okay? So that's the second thing we need to know, guys, is that uh, how we personally answer Jesus' question, who do you say I am, is of utmost importance. Lastly, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this with you, and it's because these stories are connected. Third thing I want you to see is this. Even when we know who Jesus is, it can be hard to not hinder his mission. Even when we know who Jesus is, it can be hard to not hinder his mission. Uh, this would be a great story if it stopped with Peter's confession. It would be awesome. Like, it'd be the best story ever. Peter confesses, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus is like, yep, you're right, Peter. I'm going to build my, my church upon that confession of faith. But the story doesn't stop there because then Jesus, I told you, everything changes with the confession. So Peter makes the confession, yep, you're the Messiah. You're the one that the whole Bible points to. You're the answer to our sin problem. Jesus is like, bingo, Peter, you got it. That's me. I'm the one that all the scriptures point to. And guess what? Now that you understand that I'm the Messiah, I'm going to tell you what the Messiah has come to do. He has come to lay down his life as a sin offering for you. I've got to go to Jerusalem. The chief priests are going to arrest me. They're going to, they're going to kill me on a cross. But take heart, Peter, I'm going, to raise, I'm going to rise again on the third day. And Peter's like, no, Lord, no! Let, let it never be. You see, Peter's conception of a Messiah was so far from that of Isaiah's suffering servant picture that he couldn't grasp it. Peter had these human concerns. And so I want you to look at how Jesus responds to him. Matthew 16, 23, Jesus turns and he tells Peter, get behind me, Satan. Those are strong words. You are a hindrance to me because you're not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Right? And this, this, this picture shows us so many things. It shows us the human nature of Jesus and, and the godly nature of Jesus and, and how that works. That Jesus knew that he had to fulfill uh, uh, God's mission of redemption by dying in our place, by being our sinless Savior, like he understood that. But he, it's not necessarily something he was pumped about, right? In the Garden of Gethsemane, he's overwhelmed uh, by, by the weight of, of, of all that's coming, uh, agonizing the point of death. And, and, and so when, when Peter says, no, you'll never die, never, let it never be, Jesus is like, stop that, man. Stop that. This has to happen. Get behind me, Peter. And this is Peter that just made the great confession. Get behind me, Peter. You're hindering me from accomplishing the mission for which I was sent. Stop hindering me, Peter. Stop thinking about things from a human standpoint. I need you to think about things from God's perspective. I'm on a mission here, Peter. Church, I'm going to say to you, that those are words I think we need to take in today. Because it is 100% possible that people that know who Jesus is can stand in the way of his mission and get it all wrong. You see, Peter, in, in his mind, he was looking for something more tangible that he could see and feel and touch. He wanted a tangible kingdom restored. He wanted 
political kingdom that was going to stand in the way of God's mission. You say, what is God's mission? Jesus says, the Son of Man has come to seek and save those that are lost. Right? I mean, Isaiah it came to set the captives free. The Bible tells us that pure religion is taking care of widows and orphans, loving the least of these. And, and, and yet, so often we do all kinds of things other than that. Amen? We too want tangible kingdoms to the point that uh, we almost become a little pharisaical. I'm not trying to tell you not to vote, but I think many Christians today believe that somehow we have to bring about moral reform through legislation. There's not a more pharisaical approach to godliness anywhere than that. I love you. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you. Like, like Jesus opposes that kind of thought. Jesus says, no, it, it's not about legislation. You are supposed to be the people. You're the answer. Not somebody in an office that makes a law. I am the law. I have fulfilled it for you. And you're supposed to be such transformed people that love others so well that they're willing to sacrifice everything that they are for the kingdom and the cause. And when the world looks at those people that aren't consumed with all the junk of the world, that don't care about winning, that don't care about wealth, that don't care about their own property or health, that the world will look at those people and say, they're messed up. What's different about them? And then you'll be able to say, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. I am just a traveler here. And then they'll know that there is a God. You're going to know that you're Christians by the way that you live and by the way that you love, not by the way that you legislate. And we do it in a, a million other ways, by the way. We stand, and, and listen, how, how many of you, maybe you've been that person. I've seen people seemingly carrying the biggest Bibles on the face of the planet, study them like crazy, and they just knock the crud out of people with them. Oh yeah, well, bam, and bam, and Bam, bam, and this and that, and you're not right, and blah. And it, it's, what is that? Jesus would say to those some, same people, you who are weary and weak and overburdened, come to me. I'm the answer. And after you come to me, I'll expect change, but not before. Not before. We can't hinder the kingdom of heaven, people. We can't. And if we keep being caught up in human concerns, we'll keep doing that. I've got to close. So here we go. Two things you can do. Number one, answer the question. If you haven't, you need to do it today. Who do you say Jesus is? Your eternity hinges upon your answer. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, today can be the day of your salvation. You say, Jesus, I've heard today the truth. I know that one day I'll stand before God in judgment and I am not a perfect person. There's no way I can do it on my own but I've heard that you'll stand in my defense. Would you please come into my life? Take control of me. And he will do that and you will be saved. The Bible says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a promise of God. Number two is we can ask Jesus to point out any place that we're hindering his mission. God, would you show me how am I interfering with people seeing you? God will answer that prayer too. I'm going to pray for us and then uh, very quickly going to go over a couple announcements and we're going to let you go. Father, thank you for loving us. Uh, it's a tough message, but it's important that we receive it. God, would you be glorified uh, in 
the study of your word. And Father, I pray if there's anyone here that does not know you, anyone listening to my voice, uh, whether that's live stream or, or later when it's recorded, that doesn't know you, let today be the day that they cry out, Jesus, I need you. It's okay that they're dirty. It's okay that they're far away because that is all of our stories. You come to the least of these. You come to the captives. We are those people. You call us to yourself and then we're set free. God, somebody that's struggling today, would you please tell them to cry out to you, God, save me. Jesus, save me. Come into my life and and I know that you'll do it. Jesus, do that. Reign in us. Help us not be a hindrance to your church, Lord. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.